Hi, everybody. Welcome to the October 14, 2019 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm Patty Calhoun, the editor of Westward, and I'm subbing for Dominic Dizzuti today. Let's get started with a quick take on the final act in the Medal of Honor Museum Saga. Denver lost the bid to the museum to Arlington, Texas. Krista Kafer, world traveler and Denver Post columnist, did you follow this? What happened? You know, I, I didn't follow exactly what happened, but I'm not surprised that, you know, Texas muscled us out because that's what Texas does. <laughs> and speaking of muscling, David Kopel, the real what? power behind the Independence <laughs> Institute and DU Law Professor, what do you think happened here? Well, yeah, Colorado actually used to be part of Texas back in the, in, in the way <laughs> olden days, so not surprising, but... But besides it just being Texas, Arlington was the superior site for, for several reasons. One is uh, it's, it's close to the big sports stadiums there, so you got that synergy. And uh, secondly, it, it's a great place for the customers. There, there are 70 Medal of Honor winners in the Arlington area alone. Everybody in Texas knows about the Medal of Honor, don't have to be educated on it, so they've got a very enthusiastic uh, potential base for people to go to the museum. Eric Soderman, political consultant and new columnist at Colorado Politics. What do you think about that? Well, it's not only near stadiums in Arlington, but it's near Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And let's not forget that uh, the Cowboys are, after all, America's team, or so they say. Uh, I don't know if the RTD mess of a few weeks ago had any impact on the decision, but it certainly didn't help. And the last point is, if you are a site on a site selection committee, like certainly this museum had, and you walk around that Civic Center area in Denver, you have to have a few question marks in your head. I mean, that has become a blighted area, which is real unfortunate, given that it's City Hall, state capital. It is not like other state capitals around the country. And Natasha Gardner, 5280 Articles Editor. How do you see this ending up? Well, first of all, congratulations to Arlington. I mean, what an honor to be able to have a location where people can come and respect, um, both locally but internationally, people will visit this spot to, to respect and um, pay tribute to our heroes. So kudos to them. Um, and it's a loss for Denver. But as, as it was pointed out, and we've talked about it at this table several times, there's still a big gravel pit in the center of Denver, and this, this really iconic space that could be something else. Now, I know we've had local contests to sort of ju uh, come up with names for what that gravel pit could be called. But maybe it's time to really come up with some big think ideas. So if anyone has an idea for what that space should, should be, go ahead, send them to me at 5280. I'd love to know what this next face of Denver could look like. We're putting that up at Westward right now. So we'll, we're helping Perfect. you out. But right now we're going to go to national news. With the impeachment inquiry into President Trump continuing to dominate national headlines this week, in Colorado, Cory Gardner is facing heat about it, the dismissal of it, the inquiry as an attempt to appease the far left. One group named Need to Impeach is spending $3.1 million on TV ads to target Gardner and other vulnerable Republican senators up for re-election. Krista, how do you see this playing out for Gardner and others? Well, I think he's right. It's just politics as usual. I mean, you've got... You know, politicians and their sons getting, you know, getting money. It's kind of powers uh, politics as usual. What Trump did, although arguably more stupid, is also politics as usual. If you think back over the last couple of years, I don't know that there is really a taste for impeachment. We went through the whole Clinton thing. It cost a lot of money. And I don't know that either in that case or this case, being an unethical, asinine individual is actually uh, the high crimes and misdemeanors. I think this is just a... A little hat tip to the far left, as Senator Cory Gardner said, and I think that in the end, the appetite for this among the general population is going to be next to zero. If you don't like Donald Trump, vote against him in 2020. 
David, is there such a thing as politics as usual anymore? It, it, it's gotten worse, worse than usual, and Donald Trump is a sim, more a symptom than a cause. I mean, in any political system where the two, the next president is going to be Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump has gone seriously wrong in terms of finding ethical, decent people uh, to lead. You know, I mean, would you buy a used car from Donald Trump? I would not. Nor would I buy a used car from Adam Schiff or Devin Nunes. So. I can't. I don't really believe anything I hear in all the leaks and the counter leaks and the rumors and the this, this and that. I'll wait till solid evidence gets produced. All those other people would say he can be. Some of the things he said on TV are impeachable. So if you think that, that that's fine because there you have the evidence. Uh, I expect in the long run we'll find out like it's Watergate. If you have it, we have a crooked Republican president who went way over the line and actually so did the prior democratic administration in some of the same ways and also in their own different and corrupt ways so frankly i think that the compromise for this country uh when we get all the facts will be to impeach trump biden and obama and never none of them can ever hold federal office again and then then we'll be putting the country back on the right track that's one take um eric we've got 13 months till gardner is up for re-election. What do you think is going to happen to him? I'm not, uh, you know, to David's point, I'm not sure how it's going to work to impeach uh, either Obama or Biden here, uh, given that they're not in office, and I think impeachment is a, uh, a process for, for, for those in office. Uh, Forbidding I, them to hold any future office as well. Well, I, I don't think Barack no, no, Obama. I don't think scenario. Barack Obama is running for uh, much future office. I don't think there's any offices that would terribly interest him having, having been president. I had my differences, Lord knows, with Barack Obama on both domestic and certainly on foreign policy. But to compare him to Donald Trump on a level of integrity or ethics or honor is uh, is, is a stretch too far for me. Uh, as to Cory Gardner. We've talked about a patty at this table before. He is damned if he does, and he is damned if he doesn't. The base, the Trump-dominated base of his Republican Party is rabid, and they're rabid in support of Donald Trump. And Corey, if he has any chance at re-election, and that's an open question, he has to have the base with him. And he cannot wander too far in alienating the base. But the base by itself will not be enough to get him re-elected in 2020 in Colorado. And so he has to reach further. And if he tries to reach further, the base deserts him uh, and, and, and vice versa. You would like to think the likelihood is Cory Gardner is going to be a part of a 100-person jury as a member of the U.S. Senate, assuming the House passes articles of impeachment. You would like to think that jurors would keep their powder a little bit dry until there is some evidence or lack of evidence, but uh, that's not the age we live in. Natasha, wrap it up for us as much as you can on this moving target. (laughs) Well, moving target is exactly the case. I mean, it's my job to follow this sort of thing, and keeping up with the minute-by-minute news is almost impossible. So um, if you're in a tangential role like the Cory Gardner race, um, I can imagine that that's even more complicated. So to to focus on strategy, particularly for the the Colorado Senate race, um, Democrats have spent a lot of time poising um, Gardner as as somebody who is trying 
Trump, a, a Trump you know, favorite, somebody who, who sides with him all the time. Um, and that works to a certain extent. But as volatile as the national scene is, I wonder how that's going to play out over the coming year. Because I couldn't predict what's going to happen in the next five minutes, let alone the next five months. What I think they'll be doing now is also focusing in on Gardner's record. Gardner's record separate from anything related to Trump. And I think that's what Colorado voters are going to connect with, too. This is truly a job evaluation. It's a chance for Gardner to make his case for what he's done for the state of Colorado. And it's a chance for all of his opponents to say this is what he hasn't done in Colorado. If the conversation solely focuses on Trump, I don't think the Colorado voters are going to get enough information to make that decision in the way that they want to. Well, we've got 13 more months until that one's decided. But in the meantime, closer to home, the Yes to Proposition CC campaign has finally begun in earnest. The group had a kickoff press conference on October 2nd. The measure would allow the state government to retain surplus tax revenue. Ballots will be mailed out to voters on October 15th. David, how do you see this one coming down? I just want to say that among the articles of impeachment against President Nixon was attempting to use the IRS for political purposes against his political enemies, which Barack Obama did on a far larger and more successful scale than Nixon ever dreamed about. Um, The Proposition CC thing about saying we will retain surplus revenue is another way of saying we're going to take your refund. The Taxpayer's Bill of Rights says that government spending can go up automatically as fast as population growth plus inflation. And if you want government spending to go up faster than that, just ask the voters and they can say yes or no. Usually when local governments in Colorado ask to spend faster, uh, voters often agree because the, the local governments come forward with specific Uh, things they're going to spend the money on, and the voters decide if that makes sense. Proposition CC is the opposite of that. It has some empty words about how the money is supposedly going to be spent, but it's not binding, and we know from the last time we had a taper timeout that all the promised revenue for CU and the rest of everything else they promised didn't get spent that way. So this is like permanently giving up consent. It's like once you're in the mafia, you never get out. If you vote for CC, you will never, ever get a chance to vote on, on the, how fast the size of Colorado government should grow, and you'll never get another refund again. And once you sit at this table, you never get out of talking about Tabor, which we passed 27 <laughs> years ago. Eric, what do you think about the chances of a CC? Um, just because it's not in my personality to let David get the last word, <laughs> I will have to... Back to Nixon. <laughs> uh, the point is well taken with respect to the IRS, and that clearly was an abuse with Lois Lerner and others. That said, there is no equivalency between Donald Trump and, quite frankly, any pre previous president, much less the immediate previous president in Barack Obama. So uh, we'll agree to disagree uh, on that particular one. With uh, respect to Prop CC, to say a campaign begins in earnest when the campaign kickoff is two weeks or less than two weeks before ballots go out, you know, makes me question the definition of the word uh, earnest. I don't know if there's a perverse genius here to the proponents of this measure who have decided to keep it under the radar and just let what is very favorable ballot language. If you just read the ballot language in front of you on the ballot, it's mom and kittens and apple pies. And I think their hope is that the language itself carries this 
this ac across the finish line. I see this as a precursor to a much bigger fight, which the state is looking to in 2020, when there are forces out there who want to have a ballot proposition to outright repeal Tabor, which I think is several bridges too far to get past the voters in Colorado. But on the one hand, if, if this CC, which is a fairly tepid measure compared to a total repeal, if that goes down, that's clearly a sign that there's no appetite for the outright repeal. But on the other hand, if it passes, then voters are going to think, well, we've already taken care of some of the problem. So what is that incentive? So I think um, either way this comes out, it makes the lot of those who want to have an all-out war next year over Tabor, it makes their lot much more difficult. Natasha, happy kittens or a Trojan horse? <laughs> well, what's interesting is that, the, yes, Tabor has been a conversation at this table all the time, but so has education and transportation funding, which is where the funds, if this was passed, would go to. So we're managing to just lump together all the big things that we like to talk about, but and conversely, all of Colorado like to talk about as well. Um, but we've turned down um, funding for transportation and education time and time again. So how that plays into this larger conversation of Tabor and whether we like it or not, whether we want to do something or not, is really that that's going to play out in interesting ways. Um, I, I think yes, this is the start of the conversation, but it's also a long continuation. For years, they've been building the sort of grass work, or grassroots work around um, saying that Tabor and Gallagher are the reasons that we can't do X, Y, Z in this state. And that conversation is had in many different sectors. So it's going to continue. And, and unfortunately, I think we're going to keep talking about Tabor for a very long time. 27 more years. Krista, can you see CC passing? You know what? I, one more point about impeachment. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think it's going to pass. I think people want their refunds. And here's the deal. I, I gave up my refund with the city of Littleton because the city of Littleton is very well run. It's a beautiful little city. I have every faith that they're using every dime of my taxpayer money to do something good. I don't have that faith in the state government, honestly. We expected roads from them this last time around, and so they spent it on kindergarten and entitlement that I'm not even sure they can afford. They also did a bunch of politically correct stuff and, and limiting people's freedoms. They, they made some really poor choices. I'm not going to give them extra money. I would rather have the refund, even if it's 20 bucks. I know that's 20 bucks I can spend better than they can. All right, well, this week, Denver City Council unanimously voted to bump up the smoking age to 21. The law states that businesses may not sell any tobacco products to anyone under the age of 21, and it further stipulates that businesses must have a city license to sell tobacco. Eric, what do you see with this move, which was passed uh, assigned with record speed by Hancock? Well, it's no surprise that uh, Denver is doing this and many other cities around the state now that Polis authorized Polis signed legislation that authorized cities to set their own standard, and this is going on around the country as well. In terms of where I come from, I've spent a lot of years and years past as a consultant working on anti-tobacco causes, working against the tobacco industry. I'm going to play a little bit against type here. Uh, this is no endorsement of smoking. It's a scourge. It's a st stupid move, whether it's e-cigarettes or old-fashioned cigarettes. It is, you know, to anyone who thinks it's not harmful to your health, uh, needs to crawl back uh, in their cave. That said, if you are old enough, I think there's something to be said for some personal liberty here. And people ought to be entitled to make mistakes no matter how stupid those mistakes are. And if you're old enough to vote, and if you're old enough to go fight for this country in the military, maybe you can make that decision on your own at age 18 without uh, a nanny government coming in and telling you otherwise. Natasha, what do you think of this move? 
Well, we're not stepping out on a limb here. I mean, there are more than a dozen states that have already passed similar rules. There's already eight other um, cities in Colorado that have done the same. Um, you know, in some ways, it's just fascinating that in 2019, we're having this conversation again, and that's because the product changed. There's this new um, sort of method of delivery, method of consumption, and it has people really concerned for a lot of very good reasons. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting this week as I was watching coverage for it, CBS Forum, in their report, talked about the National Jewish um, Hotline for Quitting has opened it up to kids as young as 12 years old. So if that is surprising to anyone, that's exactly why this is a conversation in Denver, but across the country right now. Krista, what do you think about this? Listen, I've written hundreds of columns for the Denver Post, and finally, a legislature actually passed something I advocated. So I'm, I'm very, very happy that they, they signed this for that reason. Also, I'm an ex-smoker. I started when I was 15. I quit when I was 27. It was brutal to quit. It was easy to start. We know that uh, the, the human brain doesn't fully mature until 25, and yet it's, it's easy to make foolish decisions. I remember you know, enjoying that first cigarette at 15, and I've got friends that are still smoking to the detriment of their health today. Moving that up to 21 and saying that we... We can consume adult beverages, consume adult uh, smoking products, be it tobacco or marijuana, just makes sense to me. And frankly, I'd boost the, uh, the voting age as well if it were up to me because I think that uh, people need to be a certain maturity to make these decisions, and 18 is really not that point. David, should we boost the voting age and the driving age and everything else? Well, I'd say the, the Supreme Court Justice Sutherland, after the uh, uh, vote for women amendment, the 19th amendment, 19th amendment was passed, said this has implications not just for voting, but it tells us a whole bunch about equal rights for women. And so he said you can't, you can't have special discrimination against them that limits their job choices compared to what a man could do. And I think our constitutional amendment on voting age says the same kind of general signal. So, and besides uh, fighting for your country or being drafted, as Eric points out, uh, you can also will be charged as an adult in criminal court at that at age 18 or over. And if you're old enough for that, and you can even get an abortion when you're much younger than that, uh, you're old enough to make the decision for yourself, for your own body, about uh, cigarettes or vaping. Okay, well, we're going back to city council, where members, along with Mayor Han Hancock, held their first of six community meetings regarding the proposed minimum wage hike. The raise for an estimated 100,000 Denver workers is expected to pass, but there are still questions, especially from restaurants, about tipped employees. Natasha, do you see this passing? I think it has a very good chance, and, and that's because outside of just the, the question about wages, there's a larger question about growth in this city, and, and we everyone knows this. The this, this city has grown incredibly. The metro area has grown incredibly. The cost of living has gone up, and wages in many areas have re, have not followed that same amount of increase. So in some ways, that um, this is a conversation that needs to happen. What I think is interesting is as these conversations are happening in the community, we're also having conversations about other things that need to be discussed, um, equity, inclusion. Um, it's been brought up several times that this increase would, would affect women and, and people of color in particular and that that would create some equity in the workspace. So those are all important conversations that I think are just going to get more and more intensified as this conversation proceeds. Crystal, what do you see happening in Denver on this? Well, you know what, I, I would think it would be a mistake to do it. And I say this as somebody who used to work for minimum wage. It is a great starting point in one's life. The fact is, is that we could kick out 
that first rung of the ladder with policies like this. The Congressional Budget Office just published a paper saying that it, when, when cities, states raise the minimum wage or the feds were to raise the minimum wage, you will see people lose jobs. And, and that's the concern. Yes, some people will see a little bit more money in their paycheck. Other people are going to lose hours and they're going to lose jobs. Also think about small businesses where those margins are very small. You could have businesses going belly up. And also, at some point, people are going to say, do I really want to spend 10 bucks for a cup of coffee? At some point, you also see people walking away from businesses. So I, I think they need to balance those concerns and also realize that there are other ways to help people move up the economic ladder. Don't kick out the first rung. Instead, strengthen the next couple of rungs to encourage people to seek jobs, whether it's in the trades or going back to college, where they can make more money through the market. Well, I know restaurants are particularly concerned because they didn't get a chance to work with the legislature on the tip credit, which is the big issue for them on how it affects minimum wage. David, do you think Hancock moved too quickly on this? No, this is a genius move to help solve the affordable housing problem. As Krista said, the effect of a minimum wage increase is, say, you're, you're actually worth $12 an hour in what you can do. Well, you might get a raise with a new minimum wage, or they might just get rid of your job, and there will be some of each, uh, as we know from, from everywhere else. So a lot of low-skilled workers lose their jobs. Small businesses that can't afford to pay people more than their actual productive value, they close down. They leave the city, too. Now, so you've got low-skilled workers and small business leaving the city. That reduces the pressure on housing. So we get rid of the, the, uh, the less wealthy people, and uh, don't have so much of an affordable housing problem. It, it's a, a, a brilliant move by the mayor and the council. Well, and that's certainly a silver lining. Eric, can, uh, could you tarnish that for us? Uh, I don't know if I can tarnish that or not. Uh, I've disagreed with Krista and David on others, uh, other issues on this show. Uh, I, I largely agree on this one. Uh, this goes under the heading to me of good intentions and bad slash unintended consequences. Yes, wages will go up for some. Uh, hours, number of hours that they are given to work may well go down. Uh, robotics and the increasing use of robotics in service industries will likely go up as it has in other cities, Seattle and others that have, uh, have done this with the minimum wage. Uh, the cost of goods and services for consumers will likely go up. So, uh, you know, it's good intentions. No one argues that uh, uh, people don't have the best intentions at heart and in mind, but uh, you have to consider the consequences, and I think the consequences of this will, uh, will outweigh the, the, any good that it does. Well, and certainly while Dominic's gone, we can vote ourselves a raise at this table. Uh, maybe but, 100% raise. Yeah, 100, 200%. But in the meantime, it's time for our favorite moment of the week. Krista, what's your disgrace? You know, I think that honor goes to the office of Governor Jared Polis, and that's because he is acting a little Trumpish, I hate to say, in that he, his office asked for a newspaper to retract an article they didn't like. It wasn't because the article was inaccurate. They just didn't like it. And so asking for that retraction um, just seems a little Trump like to me, we need to let the free press be the free press. If I had a penny for every time someone's asked me to retract <laughs> something, David. Uh, the current trend of people hating their political enemies more than they love their country. Ooh. Eric. Well, I certainly echo uh, what David just said. Uh, the Colorado Open Records Coalition here, led by Jeff Roberts, has done some really good work, including publishing this week. About, about the Colorado Air Quality Commission, which all of a sudden had an open records request for the communication of their just departed chief administrator. 
And all of that communication just disappeared when he left because somebody hit the delete button on all of his electronic records. We're living in a different age, folks, and record keeping and open records is not just about pen and paper and memos. It is about electronic communication, digital communication these days, and you need to have ways for maintaining and requiring the maintenance of digital records of senior people in state government. And Natasha. There's so much to pick from this week. It would be so easy to go political, but I'm actually going to go with sports. The Broncos and their their opening of the season has just been really abysmal. Fortunately, Denver sports, um, other sports are picking up. So as the Avalanche and the Nuggets um, get ready to start their season, the Avalanches have already started. Um, we'll have some other teams to watch, except that there's this TV dispute and we can't watch them um, on TV. So I guess we'll be buying more tickets this year. <laughs> And let's throw in the Colorado Rockies. Sorry, Eric, I know you started out so optimistic about that. (laughs) Okay, say something nice. I'm going to give it to Senator Cory Gardner. He called out uh, the Chinese government, Xi Jinping, on the the 70th anniversary of the communist government and said this is a terrible thing. You know, 100,000 people died from communism. And I just got back from Albania. I've seen the legacy of that tragedy with my own eyes. And unlike Trump and, and perhaps some others... Senator Cory Gardner spoke clearly with clear moral authority to say, this is not a good thing. The Chinese people deserve better. David. Yes, and he's also head of the uh, Asian Affairs Committee, and you you met 100 million, uh, as you said, your column died from communism. but the nation, you said 100,000. Oh, but, yeah, 100 million. Oh, that, that, that was just a slow day for 100,000. Um, the nation of Japan, which is holding the, uh, the first World Rugby Cup ever in Asia, and the U.S. team features uh, among them players from Colorado State University and the Glendale Raptors. Eric. Well, we have a little bit of time. I'll do a quick twofer. Ruben Valdez, former Speaker of the Colorado House, uh, Latino, a Latino political power in this state before Latinos had political power passed away this week. A, a wonderful man who will be missed. And it's the high holy days of the, of the Jewish people, so Lashana Tova. And Natasha. Well, um, I had a chance this week to write about a very special birthday. Charlie Burrell turns 99 today, and the Colorado Symphony is hosting a special concert in his honor tonight. I know Westward covered um, that as well, I believe. So just a really important figure in Denver's history and Colorado's history and internationally. So happy birthday. (laughs) And a shout-out to Susan Green, who got her $50,000 from the Denver Police Department. City signed off on it this week because of how they treated her when she was doing her job as a reporter. So, Susan, next time you're back at the table, you're buying. Anyway, (laughs) and congratulations to her and to the city council for recognizing it was important. That's all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. Dominic won't be back here next week, but we will all be at the table misbehaving as much as possible and spending all our newfound cash that we have voted, voted in. So thank you so much for watching. I'm Patty Calhoun. Uh, you can follow us on Colorado Public Television, and good night.